Now, today we're ending our series called The Holy Spirit Is that just has been divinely appointed by the Holy Spirit for this season. And so far we've talked about how, um, so the Holy Spirit, God is three people in one person. That's very confusing and we, we don't completely know how to understand it or explain it, but we know that the three persons of God are God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this series has been about who is God the Holy Spirit and how do we relate to him. And so far, uh, we've pulled images from Scripture that give us a way to relate to him. That's what God has done for us in the Bible is he's given us pictures of the Holy Spirit because we understand Father, we understand Son. Spirit's a little harder for us to get our mind around. So we've said from Scripture, the Holy Spirit's like the wind. He leads us and guides us and directs us. Then we said the Holy Spirit is like water. He refreshes us and and hydrates our spirit. Last week we said the Holy Spirit is like fire. He purifies us and empowers us. Now today the last one we're going to look at is the Holy Spirit is like oil. The Holy so I brought a little I brought a little bottle of oil uh, that I'll that I'll talk about throughout the service. The Holy Spirit is like oil. How is the Holy Spirit like oil? Well, to understand that, we're going to look at uh, Zechariah chapter 4, but before we get there, in the Bible, oil was used for lighting lamps, for cooking, for healing wounds, for anointing priests and kings. But in Zechariah chapter 4, I want to give you the background before we read it because it's hard to understand what these verses mean until you understand what was happening at the time period they were written. So times were bad. Life was a mess. There was continual war, corruption, confusion, poverty, extreme poverty, bouts of famine, moral decay, dry religion, and spiritual emptiness. And God's people were right in the middle of all of that mess, and they were overwhelmed and discouraged, but right in the middle of that time, which feels like the exact wrong time for God to actually expect anything from his people, but God gave his people the instruction. He wanted them to rebuild the temple. Now imagine that. Famine, poverty, war, conflict, confusion, moral decay, decay, corruption. And in the middle, God says, hey, I got an idea. I want you to rebuild the temple. And this was overwhelming and discouraging to God's people, so much so their perception was that God had abandoned them. Like God's, I mean, I tell you what, rather than rebuilding this temple, God, why don't you clean up some of this mess? Why don't you fix some of these problems that are killing us rather than us rebuilding the temple? So in the middle of that, an angel appeared to the prophet Zechariah who wrote the book of Zechariah, and he gave him a vision, Okay? Now, I want to show you a picture of the vision, what it might have looked like. We don't really know what it looked like, but what it might have looked like is it was a vision of, or let me ask you this question. I'll ask you the same question the angel asked Zechariah. He, he gave him this vision, and then he said, do you know what this is? Do you know what this is? No. I mean, it's a, you can kind of see it's, you know, trees and something in the middle with candles in it, right? Well, Zechariah had the same reaction you did. He said, no, I don't know what it is. And, and then Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, just in case things aren't confusing enough, the angel said, 
This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. This picture is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the governor of the area, and he was the one in charge of making sure the temple got rebuilt. Remember the temple that looks like we shouldn't even be working on right now. And the angel says, this picture is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Now listen, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, if you're not confused yet, <laughs> how is this picture, how does this picture say, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord? How do two olive trees and a, some kind of golden lamp say, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord? Well, here's how it says it. If you look at the picture, you can see that there are these little um, tubes that connect the trees with the lamp. And in those tubes was oil. And what this picture is saying, what this vision is saying is, without the oil, all you have is a rusty lamp with no light and two old, dried up, dead trees. But with the oil, you have two flourishing trees that stand as witnesses to the nation, and you have a golden lampstand that shines a light to the world with the oil. What's the oil? The oil's not by might, not by power, but by my, by my spirit. So how's the Holy Spirit like oil? Because he is, the, he is the resource. He is what, what, he, what, what the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel was is, you're not going to rebuild the temple by power. You're not going to rebuild it by might. But you have another resource you haven't drawn off of yet. It's the oil. It's the Holy Spirit. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to infuse you and make you like a flourishing tree and a shining lamp to the nations, and when you rebuild this temple, it will be a testimony to the world that God is God, and impossible things can happen. Now, the parallels to the time that Zechariah lived in to our time seem amazing to me. We are living in a culture that is on the bullet train running away from God as fast as it can. To the point that we, we have seen in the last probably decade pockets of antagonism toward Christianity, toward the church, toward God himself. And this culture that we live in has become increasingly more frustrated. And we've lived at a time where the church has become satisfied with a little bit of sprinkling on top of Christianity. Let me kind of live my life the way I want to live it. Let me pursue the dreams that I want to pursue. Let me kind of order my, my day the way I want to do it. And let's just sprinkle a little bit of spiritual life on top of it. And let's call that, you know, like I'm going to be okay. And what's happened is, is we've wanted a, just enough spiritual life to barely stay alive, but not enough to change anything. You know what I'm saying? To just be shiny, <laughs> but not change, not have it penetrate deeply, not absorb it into our soul. And, and I think sometimes we've wanted it both ways. We've wanted to live a spiritual life, but we've wanted to pursue 
the cultural dreams that our culture says these things matter most, these things are most important, and we've kind of wanted to have it both ways. And then you see families that are split spiritually along generational lines. You have parents whose kids have deconstructed and abandoned their faith or grandkids who have left, turned their back on God. And we have people who hold on to dried up old forms that God once used that he's no longer using that have no oil in them at all. But we say, this is the way God did it with me. This is the way God did it when, when, when it happened in my life. This is the way it's got to happen. And we try to project that into the present or into the future. These are, by every way I can measure, the most spiritually challenging times of my lifetime. So what, what needs to happen is we need to go deeper with the Holy Spirit. We need the oil. We need his presence to bring us back to life. And we don't need it just to be on the outside so we look shiny. We need it deep inside where change can happen. Real change. So how's the Holy Spirit like oil? Number one, the Holy Spirit is the fuel for our spiritual life. Without the oil, there's no, there's no spiritual life without the Holy Spirit. He is our inner resource. He is the fuel of our inner life. Without his presence, all we have are old dead trees and dark lamps with no light, with no passion, with no power. We need the Holy Spirit in our life and we need to give him greater access to our inner life. He needs to have greater access to our inner life to saturate us. What does that mean? What does it mean practically? I mean, don't tell me what it feels like. Tell me what it means. Here's what it means. It means more prayer, more Bible reading, more worship, more conversations about Jesus rather than about the latest NFL draft or football or this or that or the other. More conversations about what's God doing in your life. More conversations. I, I talked to my youngest son last night, and he said to me, he said, man, are you, uh, are you following this uh, revival that's been happening that started in Asbury? I said, yeah. He said, man, I haven't even had time to tell you about all these crazy God things that have been going on. I said, well, what's been going on? And he said, one of the pastors at our church, he told us, he said, I don't know what's happening to me. But he said, something's happening to me that's never happened in my life. He said, I'm waking up at 3 o'clock every morning. I don't, I don't know why. I don't set the alarm. I don't try to wake up. I just wake up. And he said, I wake up and I worship and pray till 6. And he said, and half the time I just cry. And I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what's happening to me, but something's happening to me. And my life is being changed. My life is being changed. You know what, you know what revival is about? It's about, the, it's about the oil. It's about the oil of his presence being poured out and being received more deeply. It's about giving more of yourself to God than you used to give to him. That's what it's about. 
So you have to make space. I, I, think, I, think, I, I don't think we mean to, but I think what happens is, is many of us have structured God out of our life practically. Because we fill our life with so many other things, there's no room. And so we got to make room. Like, how else can you respond? You can't go to a meeting somewhere and get enough oil to just last you for a year. Like, I went to this meeting, I prayed for two hours, and I'm good. I'm good for a while. It's an ongoing relationship. It's an ongoing life. And we have to make space inside of our life. And that's what revival's about. God's calling us to give more of ourselves to him. So, the Holy Spirit's the fuel of our spiritual life. Here's the second thing. Zechariah 4.11, the conversation continues between the angel and the prophet Zechariah. Then I asked the angel, what are these two olive trees? Remember the two trees we looked at? On the right and on the left of the lampstand? Again, I asked him, what are these two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? He replied, do you know what these are? <laughs> Say, no, no, Lord, I have no idea, no idea. So he said, these are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. All right, number two, how's the Holy Spirit like oil? The Holy Spirit anoints us for spiritual impact. One, the Holy Spirit's like oil because he's the fuel of your spiritual life. Two, the Holy Spirit anoints us for spiritual impact. Old Testament kings and priests and uh, sick people and prophets and doorposts were anointed with oil. Do you know what anoint means? Anoint means set apart by God. Not like everything else. Not going the same way everything else is going. But set apart by God for his purposes. That's what anoint means. And so we see this picture of oil, of God's continual presence. But why oil? Well, think about it. Here's what oil is. I can put some water on my hand and I can dry it off and it's gone. But if you take some oil and put it on your hand, see, here's the thing. This is going to be on my hand all service. I'm not going to be able to wash it off. You know why? It absorbs. Look at that. See how shiny that is? Now I'm going to turn pages with that. You want to shake my hand after service? But you see, you put oil on your hands and it's shiny. The Holy Spirit is like oil. He sticks to you. You absorb his presence. You absorb his anointing. You absorb his calling. You absorb his purposes. So he anoints. The Holy Spirit is like oil because there's an absorption that happens. So the angel asked him, do you know who these two people are who were anointed? Do you know who these two anointed people are throughout the earth? Now, anointed here was not the normal word for anointed that you read. Most of the time in Scripture, when you read the anointed, that's not this word. If you go back to the Hebrew, there's different words in Hebrew for anointed. The word that's here is unusual. Here's what it means. It means sons of fresh oil. Sons or daughters of fresh oil. So the fuel comes from the Holy Spirit to follow his direction 
For the sons and daughters of fresh oil, Zerubbabel was anointed by God to build the temple. Zechariah was anointed by God to be a prophet. What are you anointed by God to do? Do you know what God has anointed you to do? Do you know what he has put his presence on your life to do? What has he gifted you to do and prepared you to do? Our church has an anointing on it. You know what our church is anointed to do? It's to be a movement of hope. That's what God has anointed our church to do. Every church has a somewhat unique purpose. Every church has the same purpose, but a somewhat unique part of that. Every individual, every Christian has the same purpose, but a unique part of that. So how, how are we anointed to be a movement of hope? Let me give you a few ways this morning. that you, you may have heard that phrase, movement of hope, but you say, how? Here's the first way, by helping people meet God. We have been anointed by God to be a movement of hope, to bring God's presence to people. That's why when we worship, man, we worship. And that's why in a few minutes we're going to have our prayer team come and pray for you because one of our goals, one of our anointings as a church is to help you meet God. That's why we have soak. That's why we have prayer teams and prayer groups and prayer ministry. And that's why we do everything we can do to encourage you to know how to read your Bible and how to pray and how to worship privately and have a devotional life and have oil flowing in your life because God anointed us. That's why we pray before we do ministry. All over this campus this morning, you know what you would have seen if you'd have come earlier? People in little huddles praying together over their part of the ministry this morning. You know why? Prayerless ministry is dead ministry. We don't want to offer people a dead old tree and a dark old lamp. It needs oil in it. A prayerless life is a dead life. You want to know how much oil you have? How, how, what's your prayer life look like? That'll tell you. And then we also have been anointed by God to be a movement of hope, to live the belief that anyone can find Jesus. Black people and white people and Hispanic people and Asian people and poor people and rich people and educated people and uneducated and agnostics and atheists and religious people and people who used to know and now don't know, everybody can find Jesus. That's what God anointed us to do. To live that out. You know this county's the most unchurched county in the entire state of Alabama. God has anointed us to reach it. Next week, you're going to hear about how God has anointed us. Do you know more and more of our mission support, you know where it's going? To the least reached parts of the entire world. You know why? God has anointed us to reach the unreached. Not just to gather people from other churches, but to reach unreached people. That's the anointing that he's put on our life. And then he's also anointed us to empower everyone to take their next step. Look, I don't care if today's your first day or you've been here 20 years. You got another step. You hadn't arrived. I haven't arrived. Every child, we dedicated a child a minute ago. Every child has another step. What happens to me spiritually when I go to the next grade or the next ministry at Kingwood? Every teenager, every college student, every empty nester, every retiree, you got another step. If God left you here and you're breathing, you got another step. And God has anointed our church to help you find it and to empower you to do it. How? How? How can we... 
Those are such big things. How can we ever do any of that? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how. How in these times, in this culture, with all that's going on, because we can't have a dead old tree and a dark lamp. We gotta have, we gotta have oil. We gotta have the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now here's, here's the last one, and this is where I wanna talk to you for a minute about your purpose. God's anointed this church to be a movement of hope by helping people find purpose. Do you know the purpose God's anointed you for? Well, how does that work? Well, God takes your passions, your experiences, your spiritual gifts, your abilities, and then what he does is he smears oil all over them. And then they are anointed And when they are pointed where they are anointed, they make a difference. They make a spiritual impact. How's your spiritual impact going? How's that going? I remember um, when I was uh, a teenager, I'd only been saved a short time, but maybe a year and a half. And I, I don't even remember how it all happened. I ended up preaching in chapel at my high school. I went to a high school that had chapel. And so I, the high school and middle school would gather together once a week for chapel. I was the first student in our school's history to ever preach in chapel. And trust me, I had no clue what I was doing. I just got up there and started talking. You know, I mean, I, I, mean, I prayed and prepared, but I didn't know what I was doing. I knew how to write a sermon. And I got up and, and preached. And it, it, it was, uh, what happened was amazing. There was like a little mini revival way before that occurred. There was a mini revival happening in our high school. And I just, God saved me in it and raised me up. And so I came to the point that I shared. And after that service, we had a, just an altar call. And in my high school, the entire altar was filled with people like on their knees and leaning over chairs and praying and crying. One, one of the students came up to me and said, hey, I want you to know something. When I woke up this morning, I told God, I'm done. I'm done with you, and I'm done with church, and I'm done with this whole spiritual thing, and I'm out. And I want you to know, when I came to chapel today, God spoke to my heart, and I'm back in, and I want to follow him for life, and somehow my life's been changed today. And look, I went home that night and I said, I know I got no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm at least that smart. And so I said, do you think maybe, I didn't have the vernacular then, but do you think maybe God has anointed me to do this? (laughs) Do you think maybe God has called me and anointed me and actually when I follow him and obey him and surrender him, he just does this powerful stuff. And I get to show up and be a part of it, but it's not really me doing it. And that's what it is. That's how God's anointed you in the same way he's anointed me. I'm not more anointed than you're anointed. If you're saved, you're anointed. Do Do you know what you're anointed for? 
Do you know why God anointed you? He wants to use your strengths for his purposes. Now listen, you can take your skill and your ability and your knowledge and your strengths and your passion, your gift, you can take all of that and use it for anything you want to use it for. The thing is though, he won't anoint it for anything but his purposes. So you can just keep taking the dead tree and whacking away at it. But he's not going to, you'll never see the impact. You'll never need, see the anointing or the spiritual impact or the flourishing or the life or the oil flow through it until you use it for his purposes. And then that smearing that he's put on you comes alive. If Kingwood is your home, God has anointed you to do some part of that vision. Do you know what part it is? Look, I don't have any sign up for you today. I don't have a QR code. I don't have a list in the foyer. I got nothing. We don't even have a good way right now for you to find your way into a place of serving. We've been working on it for months, and we're going to keep working on it. And when we get done, it'll be the best pathway we've ever had at our church. I guarantee it. However, now I want you to listen to me. None of that will matter if you don't know that you've been called by God and you've been anointed by him to make an impact. It won't matter. It won't matter if you serve. You'll be serving an old dead tree in a dark lamp. If you don't know you're called, if you don't know God anointed you, if you don't know God's gifted you, if you don't know his presence is on your life or something and you don't know that, you're just going to be whacking away. And you're going to see very little fruit. So, I don't have anything to ask you to do today except this. Do you know what God called you to do? Because trust me, if you're saved, you're called. Though, by the way, those two things go together. Maybe, maybe you're anointed for prayer or music or tech or teaching or pastoring or mentoring or care or outreach or organizing or leadership. Or maybe to work with teenagers or kids or special needs ministry or, or Hispanic ministry. Or maybe, maybe God has anointed you for things outside our church that we, we won't even have a team for. Maybe, maybe you've been anointed to work with your customers or your employees or your employer or your friends at school or people at work or patients at your medical facility or students or in your neighborhood. But here's what I want you to imagine for a minute. Imagine for a minute if you started to think about whatever it is God called you to do as a calling. Think about if you started thinking about it as you were anointed to do it, that you would begin to approach it as a son or daughter of fresh oil. And that what God's actually called you to do is go and get the oil and then bring it out and smear it on the people around you. What if you started to think about it like that? I wonder what would happen. What would happen if you begin to seek the Holy Spirit's presence for your calling? And if you begin to seek the Holy Spirit's presence for before you served here or anywhere else, you begin to say, wait a minute, God's anointed me as a son or daughter of fresh oil. And I'm asking you today, Holy Spirit, when I walk into this meeting, when I meet with this customer, when I serve these children in the nursery, whatever it is that you do, you begin to walk in and say, Holy Spirit, now I pray today that there will be an impact 
that I can't make by myself. That the Holy Spirit will somehow smear on me (laughs) the oil of anointing and healing and peace and restoration and forgiveness and mercy and goodness and love will flow. Imagine how things might look different if you begin to look at the impossible circumstances around you and say, okay, and you begin to pray over them. It's not going to be by might. It's not going to be by power. It's not going to be by human ingenuity. It's not going to be by human strategy. It's going to be by the Spirit that these things are going to be accomplished. What if you begin to pray that by the Spirit of God, His will will be done. By the Spirit of God, His will will be done. If if you're not living an anointed life, um, there's only three reasons I could think of. There's probably, you know, a dozen more I couldn't think of. But I thought of three. One, you don't know your purpose. If you're not living a life with the anointing of God on your life making a difference, it, it may just be simply because you don't know you don't know what your God given purpose is. And that's okay. Man, I everybody, everybody lives there sometime. <laughs> Number two, you're trying to do your purpose in your own strength. You, you're trying to do whatever it is that you think you should do, but you're just pushing and working and sweating and laboring, and it feels like the weight of the whole world is on your shoulders, and you're in the fight by yourself, and you're trying to do it all by yourself in your own strength. And, and you're not... You're not leaning on, depending on the Holy Spirit or seeking Him for what He might be trying to do. The other reason is you're not walking in your purpose. Maybe you know what it is. You're just not doing it. This is a day that the Holy Spirit is inviting you to be touched again. (laughs) To have a fresh, fresh touch. The Holy Spirit. When I had been a Christian uh, for only a few months, God began to deal with me about His purpose for my life. And I can't describe for you how overwhelming that was, how confusing that was to me. When I, when I first became a Christian, it was, it was uh, in time, it became a dramatic change in my life. Where there was emptiness, there became fullness and joy. And where there was chaos and fear, peace, it's, it's like that oil was flowing through my heart, and I had never known that before. And it was the most um, satisfying and con- I had contentment and joy and peace and freedom and I, I'd, I'd never lived like that. I'd never lived like that. And shortly after that, God began to deal with me about my purpose. And it was so confusing to me because I went, God, I, like, I, I didn't know that was part of it. <laughs> I didn't sign up for that. I wasn't resistant. I just was confused. I went, I, I thought this was about me and you. I didn't know I didn't know there was any, I I didn't do this like to get a title or a role or become something somewhere. I just want to be with you. 
Like I found the greatest answer to my life I'd ever known. And I thought that was all there was to it. And he began to deal with me about my, his purpose for my life. And it was confusing to me for a little while. I was like, I, don't, I, don't, I, I guess, I, don't, I didn't know that was a thing. Let me tell you what I've learned. After being a pastor for a long time, I've learned that I, I'm not by myself. I think that a lot of Christians are surprised to know that God has a purpose for their life. But I came today to tell you something. God has a purpose for your life. A calling. I'm not saying you're, you're called to be a pastor or whatever, but you're just as called as I'm called. You're just as called as I'm called. <laughs> you have, you have, your purpose is just as great as any purpose I'll ever have. And, and, and might be more significant in many ways because you, you have an opportunity to talk to and interact with people I'll never meet. And so, if you're online watching, you have a purpose. I came to tell you today, you have a purpose. There's a larger kingdom, and God has anointed you to be a part of it. And can I tell you, when I learned that and embraced that, I embraced a life of adventure <laughs> and impact like I'd never known. And some of the greatest joys of my life have come through seeing the Holy Spirit minister to people and watching Him change their life. It's been some of the greatest joy of my life. And God wants to use you in that way. It might look different. It might sound different. It will. But it's no less His purpose. The Holy Spirit has anointed you to make a spiritual impact, and He invites you today to be a son or daughter of fresh oil. That's the message. So would you stand with me? If you're online, our prayer team is with you. And they want to pray for you. They've been praying for you. If you have a prayer need, I want you to just jump over to the comments and type your need there. Our prayer team's going to be there the rest of the service. For all of us this morning, we're going to sing a song now that... I don't think I'm exaggerating. I think that I have played it hundreds of times in my own prayer time, in my own worship time. And I've met Jesus. I've met him again and again and again. It's just a simple song about the Holy Spirit. And as we sing it, what I want you to do is I want you to open your heart and your mind and your soul and your life and give God as much access to you as you can. Just, just be as open to Him as you can be. Holy Spirit, thank You. Thank You so much. You are moving and You are present and You are good. And You intend to do good. And so, Lord, today we turn our eyes and our heart toward You. And we say, Holy Spirit, meet us today deeply in the inner part of our life and pour out fresh oil on our inner man, on our, on our inner soul. Lord, heal and touch. Bring alive in Jesus' name. Sing this song with our worship.